0: prayer. Amen. Grab your book, stand to your feet. We're glad to see you this Sunday. Let's all stand together. Brother Ken's going to lead us. Let's worship the Lord in song this morning. Brother Ken.
1: Amen. In your blue songbook this morning, hymn number 194, page 194, since Jesus came into my heart. We'll do the first, second.
0: this morning. Give us an amen if you would. Brother Carl, come open us up in prayer if you would. I'll ask you a second question on this Independence Day weekend. If you're glad to be an American, say amen. 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 We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for coming on this Sunday morning. Let's ask the Lord to meet with us. Have his way in our services today because if he has his way, everything will be done the right way. Brother Carl, open us up in prayer. Let's pray together. Brother Carl.
1: Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, we thank you for a country that we can still worship you, a country we still have the freedom to come to a church and worship in whatever way we feel that is pleasing to you. God, we just want to take a moment this morning to thank you for our soldiers.
0: Yeah, amen. Amen. That's right. Absolutely. God,
1: for the ones in the past and ones in the present and for the ones in the future, God, we just... Thank you for Amen. each one of them. God, we just ask that you keep your hand upon them. Yeah. God, they do a service that sometimes we fail to thank you for. Yeah. God, sometimes we fail to remember them on That's exactly right. times such as this.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, we have the ability to celebrate and to get out and enjoy times with our families. That's right. And they're still serving. Yeah. But God, yeah. we just want to take this special time just to thank you for them. Amen. God, most of all we want to thank you for your son
0: yes, amen. for him
1: coming to this cruel world
0: yes sir
1: facing the things that he faced knowing that he was going to face them he didn't come in with without the knowledge of knowing what he was yeah, coming to face exactly but he came right. knowing what he was going to face yes, and came yes, because yes. he loved us and God we thank you for that thank yes. you for you loving us enough that amen. you' would allow your that's son exactly to come right. and when I think about it I don't think I could allow my son to come. And to face the things that Jesus Christ had to face. But well, God, you loved us enough that you allowed your son to come. God, we just want to take this morning just to worship you, just to put the other things that are aside, the cares of this world aside, and just take a few moments just to set aside this morning to put you first and yeah, to worship man. you this morning. God, we thank you for the feeling we felt this morning, for the touch of heaven so far this morning. But God, we pray that through the remainder of this service, through the song service and through the preaching service, God, that you'd have your hand oh upon it. God, bless God we just today. ask yes. that you'd be with Brother Greg, as He stands God, to break forth today, the Lord. message yes. this morning. God, just ask that you'd anoint it with power oh from God on high. Yes. And God, we pray the there's one here lost this morning, God, that you'd deal with that heart. God, we'll let them know that they can walk out a different person. They can walk out knowing that they have salvation, yes. knowing that they have a promise of heaven that yes. they didn't have when they first came in. And God, we just ask you, for the many that are sick this morning, we oh, ask that you touch today, and heal God, them. Yeah. God, we just ask that you give them a special touch this morning. Yes. But God, most of all, again, for that one that's sin sick, God, we pray again for that one, that you'd be with them. God, just ask you to start dealing now through the song service. Right. God, we pray that they wouldn't wait till the preaching happens, but God, oh, they accept it you today. that they can enjoy the word as a, as a new creature. God, we just thank you for our church, for the ones that are here. We just ask that you'd always keep your hand up on it. Blessed throughout this hour, in Christ's name,
0: amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Carl. You can be seated. Boy, I sure love the words to this song. I know that my Savior's alive today. I can feel him. I've spoken to him already, and more importantly, he spoke to me. You listen now as the choir sings, If You Knew Him. I hope this will be a blessing. Hit it, buddy. Listen now. Brother Scott sings, If You Knew Him.
2: I walked by the tomb of Buddha, looked inside and saw his bone. Traveled home to see Mohammed, still right.
0: sing this whole song one more time. There's a whole lot of folks wiping a whole lot of tears this morning, and I want to submit to you, we got a great big altar that's open and waiting for you. Downstairs in my Bible study Sunday school class, we did a lesson in the last two weeks about the ten reasons that, that we find in Nehemiah chapter number nine to praise the Lord. And every one of them is a reason why we can praise the Lord this morning for His passion, His compassion, His mercy, His grace, His goodness, His word, But I submit to you that if he has blessed you in any way, shape, form, or size, you ought to thank him this morning. This would be a good weekend for you to just let the Lord know you love him and you sure appreciate how good he's been to you. So I'm going to ask these girls to sing this whole song one more time. And if God speaks to you, you just come on and hurry up and get to this altar this morning. Girls, sing it for us. God has been good to us. Amen. Boy, it's good to see you on this Independence Day weekend. I thank you for coming out this morning. I've got some quick announcements and actually a couple of corrections from the bulletin. But before I get into that, I want to say a big thank you to everybody uh, for the birthday celebration last Sunday night. Uh, It was a great time. As always, I appreciate your generosity. I appreciate the work that goes into it. I appreciate the fact that you had cake instead of fruit, even if the cake was in the shape of a fruit. Amen. It was a wonderful time, and as always, I say this every year, I get embarrassed by how good my church is to me, but I'm not so embarrassed that I want you to quit. Amen. Thank you for coming, and thank you for the work that you did. Lord will bless you for that. Little correction, there's no Jubilee Choir practice tonight. Deacons, we're meeting downstairs at 515, but we will be having our evening services tonight, youth night this evening. Uh, We always allow the kids every other month to participate in our services, and let me say this to you, I want you to come out and support them. Uh, We had a good time last Sunday night. No, we're not serving hot dogs uh, tonight. We're not playing cornhole tonight. We're having church tonight. So, you come out and support the kids uh, as they participate in our evening services. Let them know that you appreciate their willingness to stand up and do something for the cause of Christ. Don't forget, if you're not receiving our contact information, our regular updates uh, on your phone, and you'd like to receive that, put your name and number at the bottom on the left-hand side of your bulletin. Turn that into myself or Brother Coffee, and we will get that updated into our system so that you receive our regular announcements. Next week, we'll have a new uh, item in our. uh grace network uh, there on the upper right hand side so if you haven't brought in the item for this quarter please do that Uh, this week we'll have new item for you next week for the quarter of july august and september and as we always say thank you for that it's a fantastic ministry and we sure appreciate your willingness to help us also note if you would that we are participating again in our christmas in july for operation christmas child Operation Christmas Child, as you well know, uh, sends out shoeboxes all over the world uh, to kids who would but for those shoeboxes not have much of a Christmas. So it is indeed our honor and our privilege to participate in that ministry every July. We begin by collecting lots of things uh, that that we as a church will stuff those boxes for. So today's items were personal hygiene. If you didn't bring today, no worries. Uh, You can certainly bring them in at any point in the month of July. Lie, and all those items get deposited in the outside office right outside of Brother Ken's we gave you a detailed list on the flyer insert keep that with you so that you know uh, what can and cannot be purchased uh, and again these are things that you could pick up at the dollar store you can do all of this for five or six bucks and be able to make a child's Christmas very special this year and of course as always uh, uh, operation Christmas child includes gospel plans uh, coloring books and things that clearly give the kids a presentation of that gospel It's not just for fun, but is indeed to give them spiritual uproots as well. So you keep that in mind, and please help us out with that. Sunday, August the 6th, one month from today, will be Civil Servant Sunday. We will be honoring our local law enforcement officers. Letters are going out to all of our law enforcement officers in this service region, Henry County, Martinsville, Patrick County, and Franklin County, inviting them to our services on Sunday, August the 6th. Mark your calendars. Uh, I think this is always a good thing to do and the right thing to do to recognize those law enforcement officers who run to what we run away from. So you please mark your plans for that. We'll, of course, have a meal for them afterwards and have lots of things during that morning service to let them know we appreciate what they do for our community. Ladies, if you are attending our women's mountain retreat with Kyla Rowland and you have not signed up, please do that by next Sunday morning. And also the money for that event, which is fifty-five dollars for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, needs to be paid by next Sunday. There are a couple of folks who said they're gonna come up on Friday and Saturday. Your cost is only $40. Is that right, Miss Billy? Forty dollars if you're only coming up for the two days, but if you're going up all three days, the cost is fifty-five plus the cost of the hotel, but we have to pay the cost of the conference up front, so you give that to Miss Upchurch, if you will. And then uh, I, I call your attention again to our end of summer revival uh, with Brother C.T. Townsend, Brother Heath Williams, Kyla Rowland and Deliverance, and the Joyful Sounds. Mark that on your calendars as well. I shared this downstairs, but I'm going to pause for just a moment and share this with the church before we let our little ones up here because I think it's important for them to hear this. Uh, uh, Brother C.T. Townsend is by all accounts doing some incredible work for the cause of Christ all over this country. Uh, You know what he has accomplished through the power of God upon his life and the preaching, the souls of teenagers, young adults, senior citizens that have been led to uh, God, led to Christ uh, through his preaching. My heavens, uh, the Burlington Revival alone, thousands of folks last year came to know the Lord in that three-month meeting that just uh, blew everything out of expectations and beyond the waters. And when you look at a man like that, you know that the enemy is not going to let him get by with that without a personal attack upon his life. If you follow uh, 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 CT and uh, uh, social media, you know that his wife is uh, under serious, serious physical affliction. She's been hospitalized. They're not able to determine the source of her pain, but she is in crippling, debilitating pain to the point now that she is almost bedridden. CT has told me that I could share this. I was texting with him today, and he told me that I was welcome to share this in the last 30 days. In addition to having to deal with the consequences of his wife's illness, his father has resigned the church that he pastored for 25 years. I don't know the details about that. Don't need to know the details about it. And then his younger son, CT again told me I could share this, his younger son, uh, his younger brother, excuse me, his younger brother uh, pastors down in Georgia and unfortunately his brother's wife left him with a man in the church, left their babies behind and now that young preacher is trying to pastor a church and raise those babies by himself. CT told me on my phone that it feels like uh, that the enemy can't get to him so he's trying to destroy his family. In fact, he's terrified of the fact that his wife will never get out of bed and never be able to walk with him again or travel this ministry road with him again. I said downstairs, and I'm going to say up here, Satan does not play fair. He doesn't uh, attack the strong, but rather he goes for the weak and the wounded. So as you pray for our country this week, as you pray for our church this week, as I hope you do, and as you pray for the leadership of this week, as I hope you do, of our church and country, I ask you to pray for Brother CT, that God will strengthen him and undergird him. He was at the camp last week. Uh, many young folks come to know the Lord. He's doing conference in a couple of weeks uh, by himself without his mate by his side. So you pray for him because the enemy is trying to destroy him. But I am so glad that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Young folks, you come down this morning. Uh, All those that are heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, you come on and make your way. If you are visiting with us today, they're going to come around and collect any loose change that you might have. This helps support our upcoming teen conference in just a couple weeks. So anything that you can give change-wise is much appreciated. Take off this morning, young folks. Here we go. Church, Junior Church, come on, make your way this morning. I like that song, I'm glad I know how it feels, amen. Thank you so much, as always, for your gifts to our young folks Uh, during the month of June, July, and August. That goes for our youth conference, and then in September, we will once again begin dedicating that to our ladies' jubilee. Gentlemen, please make your way down this morning to collect tithes and offerings. Brother Scott's going to come get ready to sing for us. Our instructions for online giving remain in our bulletin. I would encourage you, if that is a platform you'd like to utilize, uh, you feel free to do that as you give with tithes and offerings. Of course, checks work as well. Make sure if you're writing a check and you want it to count for IRS that you put that in the appropriate envelope. Father, let's uh, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We count it an honor and a privilege just to come before you this morning with uh, songs of praise uh, and, Lord, for the opportunity just to say thank you for your blessings upon our life. Lord, thank you for this grand country upon which we stand. Lord, we realize that we're here not by accident, but by the divine work of an almighty God. Bless Brother Scott as he sings, uh, and our preaching time to come. We'll thank you, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Last six months should prove to you that God
2: can take an ungodly agenda and turn it around. And I'd, I'd given up hope that that could happen. We just thank God that his truth is his birth was of a virgin. Some think his miracles can be explained away. Some say that he was just i
1: in your heart. God bless America.
0: First Sunday of the month, as always, at SAGBC Mission Sunday. I appreciate your generosity to support our missionaries. Gentlemen, if you'll please make your way down. And for those of you who may be visiting with us, in addition to the support you give on Sunday morning... We contribute 13% of our tithes and offerings. Everything that comes in goes back out uh, for our missions, and that allows us to support the nearly 80 missionaries that we have on the field, both here in America and all over the world. And I count it as a great privilege to be able to support the furtherance of the gospel. So you give as generously as you can, and I encourage you to listen to the words of this song as this lady's trio sings. Father, bless the missions offering. May it be what you would have it to be. Amen. They're singing this at my request. You listen now as they sing. Take off, fellas. 33 in your Bibles this morning, please. Psalm 33. I want to read the first 12 verses of this passage this morning. Psalm 33. The message that I'm going to give you this morning is in something that is extremely near to my heart. It is something about which I am very, very passionate and a topic about which I love to study as much as I frankly dislike summer's heat. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I don't like heat. Amen. As much as I dislike the heat of summer, I love, love, love this holiday, this weekend, because it gives me yet one more opportunity to revisit a topic about which I am immensely passionate. The topic is in fact the title of the message this morning. And it is simply this: the impact of the Christian faith on America, the impact of the Christian faith upon America. Join me this morning as we begin reading in Psalm 33 verse 1, and we will read down through verse number 12. Rejoice in the Lord, all ye righteous, for praise is comely for the right, for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a harp. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. And verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for these words. Thank you for your word. You've promised that when it is delivered out, it will never return void. Lord, before we go into our message this morning, we pause a moment to say thank you for our country. Thank you for this American democracy. For this opportunity that we have to live in the greatest nation on earth. Lord, I pause a moment, and as is commanded in your word, I pray for our president. I pray for the leaders of our land. Lord, I pray that they would seek you, your will, and your way for their guidance. Lord, as we get into our message this morning, it is my heartfelt desire, Lord, that our congregation would listen with intentionality, would listen... uh, as we share things that undoubtedly many have never heard before. The Lord, I believe, are clearly described in the pages of American history. Bless, Lord, as we deliver the message that you've laid upon our hearts. And we will surely thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Seven weeks ago, I pulled out of Milwaukee International Airport in a rental car, driving to Sheboygan, Wisconsin. There I was scheduled to do a seminar at a community college called Lakeland Technical College. It was one of the rare occasions on which Mr. Nay was unable to travel with me. So as I traveled down the road in this little bitty rental vehicle, I did what I often do. I began to scan the radio station, listening for a news program. It was late in the afternoon, so I was hoping to find out the latest news, uh, perhaps uh, what had happened across the world, heaven forbid, had there been another mass shooting, or my word, what new tweet from our president was turning the world upside down. As I scanned the radio programs, I stumbled upon a station with a very secular, agnostic, unbelieving, and avowed atheist talk show host. He had many call-in listeners, and so as I began to listen, I was intrigued by the words that was coming out of his mouth. At one point, one of the conversations directed themselves to the history of our country and the American influence uh, that was derived uh, from the Christian faith. The talk show host uh, said something that caused my heart to stop. He said, and I quote, Why do Christians... Think they had anything special to do with the founding of this country. Anyone who reads history books knows that Christianity was no more involved in America's founding than any other religion. I will confess to you that within 30 seconds of hearing this, I pulled my car over because I was hopping mad. But then I was quickly reminded of the fact that in reality, If you look at modern history books, you will find that his words are true. There is a danger in American history today that is something called revisionist history. Revisionist history seeks to remove. It seeks to look at something through a different shade or through a different lens and to rewrite the fabric of something based upon a counter viewpoint. There is a concerted effort in our country today to revise history in such a way that it removes the influence of the Judeo-Christian God and of the Christian faith from the American fabric we know of today. Let me put that in simple terms. Revisionist historians seek to remove God from American history. You pick up most modern history textbooks And you will scarcely find the word God anywhere. I guarantee you, you will not find a mention of Jesus Christ. You will not find the foundational father's uh, religious fervor. Uh, You will not find the faith that made them do what they did. Uh, And in fact, you will find a concerted effort to, to eradicate God from American history. You listen to me very carefully this morning. That is, I'm afraid, one of the most dangerous things facing our country today. I begin my message this morning with this simple statement. I believe that every single human in America, every person that lives in this great country, should be able to worship according to the dictates of their own conscience. I don't believe that the state should mandate religion. I don't believe that the government should force religion. But that freedom of religion can never remove the impact that the Christian faith has had on this country. A couple of years ago, Renee and I, I don't remember where we were, but we walked uh, into Cracker Barrel. I will tell you that God inhabits the praise of his people, but he also hunkers down in the walls of Cracker Barrel. Good food, good coffee, my wife can shop while we wait, all in one store, what's not to love? While we waited to be seated, sitting over in the corner, I stumbled upon a book, in fact, a two-volume book, that is one of the best things I have ever read. I have three copies now, I've downloaded them into my Kindle app, and scarcely a week goes by that I don't read a chapter or a section of the two-volume book entitled America, The Last Best Hope, written by Dr. William Bennett, who was the Secretary of Education under President Ronald Reagan. Dr. Bennett did much to advance Christian education in this country during the seven years he served as the Secretary of Education. And upon exiting that incredible platform he had been given, he dedicated the last years of his professional life to studying and reading about the very thing I'm preaching about, the influence of the Christian faith upon this country. And I'll summarize his two volumes with one statement. You cannot separate the story of America from the Christian faith. It is an impossibility. So I'm going to ask you this morning to listen very carefully. I'm going to give you a message that is very, very different stylistically from what I normally deliver. I will, by design, have to hunker down right here behind this pulpit. I'll not be able to move around a lot because I've got so much that I want to share with you. And when you walk out of here today, I hope you will walk out of here with the understanding that the pews that you sit in the Bible you hold in your lap, the hymn books in the back of your pews, uh, the way that we worship and the God that we serve, uh, we owe a huge debt uh, to not only God above, but His Son, Jesus Christ, because America is who she is uh, because of the God she serves. I have four points that I will hit very quickly, very deliberately, and I ask you to listen with intentionality as I give you four points And lots and lots of stuff to support what I'm about to share. Number one, beyond any shadow of a doubt, God, America are intertwined. And I'll say it like this. America was founded on the Christian faith. America was founded on the Christian faith. Whether you enjoy history as I do or whether you abhor history, as many in the congregation likely do, I ask you to listen very closely to everything I'm about to share. I am shading none of it with personal views. I'm shading none of it uh, with my attempt to convince you. But I am simply stating very clear facts, most of which you will not find in public history books. 1607. The first colony, Jamestown, Virginia was, filled, was founded and the first building that was built was a church building. It is, by the way, the only wall still standing today. The Puritans' first act upon landing at Plymouth Rock was to kneel, to praise and dedicate the new colony to God himself. Roger Williams was a Baptist minister who established the colony known as Rhode Island. The first official act of Lord Baltimore in establishing the colony we know of as Maryland was to hold a church service. William Penn, who is a Quaker, uh, established the colonies of Pennsylvania, New York, Delaware, Connecticut, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. When you read his writings, there is no doubt uh, that he was a born-again uh, Bible-believing Christian. Uh, for he writes uh, in the uh, government policies for Pennsylvania, he states the following, All treasures... All judges and all elected officials must profess their faith in Jesus Christ before being elected. Our founding fathers consistently spoke of the need for utilizing the Bible as their guidebook and their value system and defining and preserving this nation. You want proof? Twelve of the original 13 colonies incorporated the entire 10 Commandments into their civil and criminal codes. The legislature of New York declared this is a Christian nation. I will pause a moment and say good God in heaven above how far we've come. The Supreme Court building carved in front of it is a statue of Moses and the Ten Commandments. Across from the Speaker's seat of the House of Representatives sits a sculpture of Moses. President George Washington said it is impossible to govern the world without God and the Bible. In 1782, the U.S. Congress voted uh, in favor of a resolution uh, demanding and approving uh, the Bible for use in the schools. Plymouth Colony Charter says the colony was established uh, to advance uh, the enlargement of the Christian religion and to the glory of God Almighty. Delaware charter defines the purpose of their colony to further propagate the holy gospel. Virginia charter assures that people uh, have the right to live as they see fit, uh, but further declares uh, that they uh, propagate the Christian religion uh, to such people who live in ignorance to the true uh, worship of God. The Rhode Island Compact uh, says we submit our persons, lives, and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Ninety-four percent of the writings uh, of the Founding Fathers uh, used quotations taken directly from the Bible. All 50 state constitutions uh, mention God. Patrick Henry, the first governor of Virginia, a member of the Continental Congress, uh, for whom Patrick County and Henry County and Patrick Henry Community College is named, said it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists but by Christians. It was not founded on religion but was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our nation's 28th president Woodrow Wilson said in his famous address, The Bible in Progress, that America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify the devotion to righteousness which is derived from the Bible. Our nation's motto is, in God we trust. Our pledge says one nation under God. Benjamin Franklin, when once challenged about beginning a political session with prayer, said the following, I've lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of man. He goes on to say, if a sparrow cannot rise to the ground without his notice, is it possible that we can govern a country without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the holy writings uh, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Uh, So based upon that, I submit to you that we will open this and all consecutive sessions uh, in prayer. We hear all the time about the separation of church and state. We hear it so much that some Christians have been intimidated to believe that it is in part fact of the Constitution. I encourage you to pick up your constitution you will nowhere find the mention of the separation of church and state not surprisingly the first time that phrase appears uh, was by Karl Marx in the communist manifesto the separation of church and state uh, was coined in America by Thomas Jefferson our third president who wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association promising them uh, that government would not affair in the affairs of the church Uh, in other words the Separation of church and state was never meant uh, to keep the church out of government, uh, but was instead meant to keep government out of the church. Our sixth president, John Quincy Adams, said, No book in the world deserves to be unceasingly studied and so profoundly meditated upon as the Bible. John Jay was the author of the Federalist Papers, uh, who became America's first Supreme Court justice. Uh, He said... uh, Bible has given us our people, the choice of their rulers, uh, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for the rules of this great nation. Thank you, son. America was founded on the Christian faith. Number one. Not only. America founded on the Christian faith, but America was fostered by the Christian faith. I want to share with you this morning many direct quotes from incredible men whose influence upon this nation is absolutely undeniable. We start with none other than George Washington himself, an incredible man By all accounts, one of the top five greatest presidents our country has ever seen. His faith, however, is now being questioned by this rise of revisionist history. The late, secular, unsaved historian, Dr. D. James Kennedy, said, and I quote, perhaps the most precious collection of all of Washington's writings are in a little diary he kept. He started this diary when he was 20 years old. So I'd like to read to you an excerpt from Washington's diary. You understand that in the 1600s there and 1700s and even the early part of the 1800s their language was a little bit different than ours. So listen with intentionality. He said, and I quote, Jesus Christ direct my thoughts, my words, And my works. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb. Purge my heart by thy Holy Spirit from my fleshly corruption. Increase my faith in the sweet promises of the gospel. Thou gavest thy Son to die for me. Pardon my sins for the sake of thy Son, mine only Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that sounds eerily Christian to me. Samuel Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence, father of the American Revolution, ratifier of the US Constitution, and governor of Massachusetts said, and I quote, I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my sins. John Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence, judge, diplomat, One of the two signers of the Bill of Rights and second president of the United States said, and I quote, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the principles of Christianity. He goes on to say, I've examined all religions in this world, and the results of my studies lead me to the simple truth. The Bible is the best book in the world. Thomas Jefferson, signer of the Declaration of Independence, diplomat, Governor of Virginia, Secretary of the United States, third President of the United States said, the doctrines are simple and tend to all happiness of man. I'm a Christian, he said, in the only sense in which anyone can be. I'm a real Christian, that is to say, a disciple of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. I'll give you some more names, many of which will be unfamiliar to you, but upon whose influence America owes a huge debt. Dr. Benjamin Russ, listen with intentionality now, Steiner of the Declaration of Independence, Surgeon General of the Continental Army, Ratifier of the U.S. Constitution, Father of American Medicine, and Father uh, of Public Schools under the Constitution said, When the Bible uh, is not read in schools, it is subsequently not read in any period of life. Uh, The Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books uh, because it contains the greatest portion of knowledge uh, which is calculated uh, to produce the greatest happiness in citizenry Roger Sherman signer of the Declaration signer of the Constitution master builder of the Constitution judge framer of the Bill of Rights US senator and an independent fundamental Baptist said I believe that there is only one true and living God Insisting in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The scriptures of the Old and New Testament are a revelation from God and a complete rule to direct us how we might enjoy God. I believe that God sent his Son to become man, to die in the stead for sinners and lay the foundation of the offer of eternal life. I believe uh, an invisible church to be a congregation uh, made up of those who make profession of Christ. Uh, and I believe that the souls uh, of their dead in Christ are perfectly holy in the presence of God. I don't know about y'all, but these sound strangely Christian to me. Joseph Story, U.S. Congressman, father of American law system, U.S. Supreme Court justice said, and I quote, I verily believe that Christianity is necessary to support a civil society and will ever attend to the institutions of the Christ-like ministry. Charles Thompson, secretary of the Continental Congress, designer of the Seal of America, along with John Hancock, a signer of the initial draft of the Declaration of Independence, said, I am a Christian. I believe only in the Scriptures and Jesus Christ as my Savior. Noah Webster, Revolutionary soldier, judge, legislator, and educator extraordinaire said the Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things that all children should learn. Daniel Webster, Noah's grandson, U.S. Senator, Secretary of State, and defender of the Constitution said whatever makes us good Christians makes us good citizens. John Witherspoon, the signer of the Declaration of Independence, a ratifier of the U.S. Continental Constitution, and president of Princeton said, Jesus Christ is the best friend of American liberty. My favorite, Elias Boudinot, someone most of you have never heard of, president of the Congress, signed the peace treaty to end the American Revolution, and first attorney admitted to the U.S. Supreme Court said, for nearly half a century, I have anxiously... And critically studied that invaluable treasure that I call the Bible. And scarcely do I take it up that I don't find something new. In short, were you to ask me to recommend the most valuable book in the world, I would tell you to look at your Bible. Were you to ask me to find the most rational, pleasing, and entertaining of the inquiring mind, I would repeat, it is the Bible. I would make this blessed word of God, he said, the alpha and the omega of my knowledge. Fast forward, history lesson over, sort of. Fast forward to 1861. America is embarking upon a civil war, or as we would like to call it down here in the south, the war of northern aggression. This great experiment that we know of as democracy is on the verge of collapse and destruction. Abraham Lincoln has just been elected America's 16th president. He is by all accounts not a brilliant academic. He did not spend his youth walking the ivory halls of higher education. But he was certainly one of the best read presidents. And by all accounts, one of the most intelligent presidents we've ever had. As is often the case with those of great intellect, he went through times of questioning and doubting the Christian faith. These doubts were most likely increased because he lost his birth mother early in life. Later, he was devastated by the death of his son Edward. Devastated further as his wife sunk into depression. Going to the White House, Leading this country through its most difficult time began to change Abraham Lincoln. The catalyst that seemed to drive him towards a personal relationship with Christ was the death of his second son, Willie, and the ensuing Battle of Gettysburg. There is a fascinating letter that you can read yourself. Washington, D.C., in the Lincoln Museum, I've had the privilege of reading it myself, and it's written from an Illinois clergyman who came to talk to Lincoln after the death of his second son. And he asked the 16th president a very simple question. Mr. President, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? After a long pause, President Lincoln replied, and I quote, When I left Springfield for Washington, I asked that people pray for me, but I myself was not a Christian. When I buried my first son, I was not a Christian. When I buried my second son, went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of soldiers, I then and there on the hallowed grounds of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, consecrated my life to Jesus Christ and accepted him as my savior. So yes, sir, I know Jesus and I love Jesus. Because of his newfound faith, Lincoln was anxious to declare it. Dr. Reginald Gurley was pastor of the Presbyterian Church in in Washington, D.C., where Lincoln and his family attended regularly. On Wednesday night, Lincoln sat on the right-hand side, a little anteroom off to the side of the pulpit with the door halfway open so that no one could see him because he well realized uh, that when people saw the president, their eyes would focus on him, not the pulpit. Dr. Curley said that Lincoln came to speak to him uh, after the Wednesday night service. This, by the way, is also in the Wash, in the Lincoln Museum. Again, Dr. Gurley said that Lincoln came to speak to him after that Wednesday night service, and asked if he could speak and publicly declare his profession to Christ on the following Sunday, which would have been Easter Sunday. Of course, the pastor readily agreed. Fortunately, Lincoln and his wife, Mary Todd, on that Friday, traveled to Ford's Theater to celebrate his election as the next president for a second term. Lincoln was shot on April the 14th, 1865, Good Friday. It had been his desire on Easter Sunday to publicly declare his open profession for Jesus Christ. But you listen carefully to what I'm about to say. The enemy thought he would shut him down. But I submit to you that greater is he that lives in us than he that is in the world. Number one, America was founded on the Christian faith. Number two, America was fostered by the Christian faith. Number three, and I'm hurrying, because of this, God has favored America. Let me say that again. Because of our foundation, because of the godly people uh, that set up to govern this country in its infancy, God has favored America. Your history books today are replete with things that are referred to as incredible coincidences. But I submit to you that a more accurate reading, a more realistic reading, uh, makes us understand that just as Benjamin Franklin said, God governs the affairs of man. God has miraculously intervened in the course of this country. Quickly, I'll give you three. The first one we call the Battle of Long Island. Many of you know this story. In August 1776, the water was full of British warships, and George Washington and his Continental Army faced certain defeat in New York City. Besides being extremely outnumbered, Washington's troops were freezing, starving, adding insult to injury. Unseasonably cold weather was moving in, and it was raining. The rain turned out to be a blessing in disguise because the next morning it was so foggy that the Brits could not launch their attack. They were forced to wait until the fog lifted. Even more freaky is the fact that the fog appeared only in the areas in which the Brits uh, were residing. It allowed Washington time to remove himself uh, and slip his army to Manhattan without losing a single soldier Washington didn't have to fight that day and eventually he won the American Revolution your history books will tell you that's an incredible coincidence and I tell you that it comes because of two simple words but God the next uh, I'll call the burning of Washington DC in 1812 this country was launching a new war against England it's called the war of 1812 during the height of this war, a British invasion stormed up the Chesapeake, headed for Washington, D.C. On August the 24th, 1814, at the Battle of Bladensburg, the city's last defense, our capital's last defense, was reduced to a mob of panicking, screaming soldiers who were completely defeated into what is referred to as the greatest disgrace ever dealt to American arms. President Madison had no choice but to grab the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence under both arms and get out of Washington. The Brits promptly marched into the city, burned the White House, burned the US Capitol, burned the Library of Congress. To add insult to injury, just before they torched the White House, uh, the Brits actually way- raided the White House pantry and looted the mansion in the middle all of this revelry, something unbelievable happened. A tornado, never before seen in D.C., and never since seen in D.C., touched down, plowed a path of terror right through the middle of the city, uprooting trees, lifting cannons, and tossing the Brits uh, all over the city. The result the next week, America recaptured capital. Your history books will tell you that's a coincidence. I say to you uh, that it comes down to these two simple words, but God. Third, I'll give you one more that unbelievably our president discussed last night. In fact, as we dropped off the teenagers here at church and made our way home uh, I turned on the news uh, and listened as our president shared many of the things that I'm about to share with you. I don't know why he chose to copy my message, but he did. I'll ask you this morning, do we have any World War II veterans in our congregation? Anyone? Some of you may be aware of this, uh, an unbelievable story called the Battle of the Bulge. The single bloodiest day in American history was a desperate surprise attack launched by the Germans in December of 1944. The worst part is that the Battle of the Bulge were 12,000 men who were circled and under siege. The U.S. Third Army, General George Old Blood and Guts Patton, hoped to break the siege and he said, and I quote, Grease the tanks with the guts of dead Nazis. He's a man's man, but Patton had a pressing problem on his hands. The weather had been relentlessly rainy all month. All he needed was 24 hours of good weather so that he could send his army, rescue the 12,000 and take the Blitzkrieg and strut out with enough Nazi grease to last him all the way to Mexico or Moscow, excuse me, but since no weapons could crack the rainy atmosphere, Patton had no choice but to do something a bit unconventional. After screaming at the clouds for days on end, and if you read the history and biography of Patton, you will know that that's the kind of man he was. He took matters into his own hands and decided that the only entity actually capable of changing the situation was God himself. He summoned the third army chaplain, Colonel James O'Neill, to draft a prayer. O'Neill was rather uncomfortable with this request, uh, and in fact Patton's generals uh, condemned the move as being an insult. Nevertheless, Patton insisted, and the chaplain formulated a prayer that Patton then distributed to his men on 250,000 wallet sized cards. I have a copy of the prayer here on my iPad. I'd like to read it to you. This is the prayer that the chaplain constructed for a quarter million American soldiers. Almighty and most merciful Father, we humbly beseech Thee, Thy great goodness to refrain these rains, which we have, have to contend, grant us fair weather for battle. Graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee for aid. With thy power we may advance from victory to victory, that thy justice among men and nations may be felt. In your son's name, amen. 250 soldiers, 250,000 soldiers. We're told, pray that prayer every day. Three more days of rain-filled prayer and petitions, and Patton said, keep praying. When suddenly, and seemingly miraculously, the weather broke just long enough for the Third Army to break the German encirclement and reinforce and win Belgium. The heroic feat went down in history as Patton's finest hour. The general celebrated by immediately awarding Chaplain O'Neill the bronze star for this simple act, writing an effective prayer. According to O'Neill himself, the chaplain, Patton, upon giving him the bronze star, and I quote, cracked me on the side of my steel helmet with his riding crop, which was this rugged general's way of saying, well done, soldier. I know I've got to go quickly, but please listen. I promise I'm nearly done. I ask you to think about the role that the church and its pastors have played in America's history. A preacher by the name of Francis Bellamy wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. Another preacher, Samuel Smith, wrote, My country tis of thee. John Leland, another preacher, wrote the introduction to the amendment uh, number one to the Constitution. Prior to 1865, 90% of America's college presidents were preachers. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, Columbia, and my alma mater, William and Mary, were founded by Christian preachers and church affiliations with the expressed interest of seeing souls saved. God has favored America. I close this morning by saying, God will fault America. Why, pastor? Because to whom much is given, much is required. What will he fault us for? God will fault America for forcing the Bible to be removed from American schools. God will fault America for banning prayer in public sectors. God will fault America for banning prayer in Jesus' name at all government events. God will fault America for welcoming sin and debauchery into our homes, into our churches, and God forbid, into our pulpits. God, uh, this may not sit with your political affiliations, uh, but you listen carefully. God, upon the authority of the Word of God, will fault America for electing government officials who openly oppose the nation of Israel. God will fault America for saying one nation under God, but really meaning one nation ruled by the almighty dollar. God will fault America for insisting that pastors' lives be perfect but allowing government leaders' lives to be completely perverted. What will it take? Israel, 70 years of captivity, it took for them. In America, 9-11 didn't do it. Hurricane Katrina didn't do it. A worldwide economic collapse didn't do it. The great economic recession that we refer to as the Great Recession didn't do it. And even most recently, the attack of American congressmen practicing for a charity baseball game didn't do it. What will it take before our nation gets back to God? Pastor Greg, this sounds awfully pessimistic. Is there anything we can do? Absolutely. Number one, you can pray. Pray for this nation. Pray for its leaders. Pray for the men who stand behind the pulpits. Pray for the revivals that are speaking across this country. Number two, you must participate. Vote, 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 vote. Number three, we must persevere. Don't give up upon America. Don't give up on our country. I close with this simple thought. If we continue these things, what will happen? And I close with the words from Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. If my people, which are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, then, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I don't believe the hope of America is in the White House. I don't believe the hope of America is in the government mansions. I believe the hope of America is in the Bible you hold in your lap. The men who proclaim the word of God and the people who sit on the church pews who are willing to not just be hearers of the word, but become doers of the word. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I realized I went a bit longer than I intended, and I appreciate you listening with such intentionality. I will ask you one question as we have our invitation this morning. It won't be a lengthy one. Congregation of this size, I would be remiss if I did not tell you very plainly if there's anyone in the building this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, He loves you. In fact, He died for you so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one's looking, Is there anyone in the building that would be honest and say, Pastor, I'm not saved. You talked about America being founded by God, but I myself am not a Christian. Pray for me. Anyone like that this morning, I just pray for you. I'll not embarrass you, anyone this morning. That's the only question I'll ask. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Every person at the table will not all be able to gather around, but as Brother Ken begins to sing, I want everyone that will to make your way to the altar this morning. If there's not room you can kneel where you are But anyone that will come join me at the altar We're going to pray for this country The Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much We're just going to pray for our country this morning Surely not everyone will be able to make their way So I encourage you to pray where you are And I ask you to join me as I pray for us this morning Father in heaven, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we ask as we listen to the song being sung, that we remember our nation's heroes. The leaders of this great country who were so profoundly impacted by the cause of Christ. Lord, we realize that this great experiment known as American democracy was founded on the foundational principles of Jesus Christ. Lord, we also know that our country has gotten far removed from what made us such a world-round power. Lord, you've told us if your people will call on your name, ask forgiveness of their sins, repent and turn from their ways that you'll heal our land. So, Lord, it's my humble desire that we begin a journey of turning back to the very things that made us what we are. Lord, I pray for our president. Lord, I pray that you would bless the leaders of our land. They may look to you and, Lord, that they may examine your word for their clarity of direction, of thought, of mind. Lord, as our leaders of yesteryear did, they would recognize that the great truths of governance are found in the word of God. Lord, we say in God we trust. Lord, it's my desire that that would not just be our motto, but that would be our methodology. Lord, thank you for this congregation, for this group of believers, for their stand with us as we try to do a work in this community. Bless us as we serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless America. Thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed. Fellowship with each other. Back tonight at 6 o'clock for our services this evening.